morning, church. How you doing? Amen. Amen. We, uh, we have a little declaration that we like to do before we open the Word, so I'm going to invite us all to do it together. We pray this prayer. Let's all stand, take our Bibles. Father in heaven, thank you for my Bible. It's the inspired, infallible Word of God. Every truth is mine to know. Every promise is mine to receive. Take us places. We've never been today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, over at River of Life, we're going through the book of um, Genesis. You've been going through the book of 1 Samuel, so we enjoyed 1 Samuel, and you're going to enjoy a little Genesis this morning. Is that all right with everybody? So Genesis, as you know or may not know, but it's divided basically into three parts. It's the story, the, the ancient history before the flood of creation and the fall, and actually redemption as well as a lot packed into the first nine chapters of Genesis. And then we meet Abraham, and it's the story of faith. It's a picture of God's calling out, and it's a, the beginning of the nation of Israel. And the last third is where we're going to kick in today. It's the story of Joseph. And Joseph is a type of Jesus. He's a type of what Christ has come to do. And the last third of, of Genesis is really the gospel woven in an amazing narrative story. And we're going to look at some of that today. And so all through Genesis in this first book of the Bible, you've almost got the whole Bible in the first book, which is a powerful picture. And remember, there's nothing in Scripture that's there by accident. Everything in the Word of God. Jesus even said, remember, in the New Testament, you know, heaven and earth will pass away, but what? My Word will never pass away. He even talked about the punctuation in the original text. Every jot and tittle, every little punctuation was there by God's design. So that's kind of fun to look at as we go through this as well. So, chapter 37. Um... Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. And when Joseph was 17 years of age, he often tendered his father's flock. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilal and Zilpah. And Joseph reported to his father some of the things his brothers were doing. Now, Joseph is the youngest son of Rachel, the oldest son of Rachel. He's the youngest at this point before Benjamin is born of all these brothers and half-brothers. He's his father's chosen son. He's the oldest of the wife that he first fell in love with. And we, if you don't know the story of Jacob, he gets deceived and he ends up with an extra wife in the picture, and then a couple of concubines. It becomes a blended mess, uh, which we, many of us can relate to. And, but it, he's in this blended family, and it's complicated, and it's troubled, and, and it's all kinds of stuff going on, as we've looked at already. But now we find Joseph, this young man. And Joseph was a young man that his dad had called out. He was a young man who was given a purpose, a vision, he was, he was a young man that the father had taken unto himself for a very specific purpose. And I want to just encourage you today and remember this, that fathers, one of our big jobs as fathers is we, we instill identity in our children. 
We give them their identity, we give them their purpose, and we give them their authority. And that's why so many young people today are struggling in life, because no one's ever imparted their true identity, their true purpose, and their true authority. And we see it in our culture, our culture's right now running headlong into confusion because so many young people don't have a, a strong identity, they don't know their purpose, and they don't know their authority. Moms, you know, one of your prime jobs is to, is to nurture, to teach and instruct, and to bring healing to a child, and to, to just love and to support. And I know there's crossover between mom and dad, and there should be in a healthy family, but, you know, moms, that's, you know, moms nurture us. And, man, we love when mom just kind of loves us, don't we? Even when we're old guys. Uh, we just love the love of mom. You know, there's nothing like it. And she teaches us stuff and comes alongside. And, and, and let's face it, if you get hurt, who do you call for, dad or mom? You want mom, right? You know, if you're out with dad, if you're out with dad and, you know, you, you know I remember, you know, drive a, driving a nail through my finger one time with dad. Oh, dad. Oh, it goes, hey, buddy, shake it off. Shake it off. Dad, I just put a nail through my hand. Shake it off, buddy. You'll be okay, you know. You're out hiking, you're out doing something, you'll fall over and twist your ankle. Hey, it's okay, buddy, walk it off, walk it off. But dad, my leg is broken, my femur. Hey, it's okay, buddy, walk it off, walk it off, you'll be okay. No, no, when you go home to mom, mom anoints you with oil and she pours in the medicine and love and brings out the iodine. It's just all beautiful, you know. It's, we need mamas, man, we want them. So Joseph is being called out. His dad's given him purpose. Jacob loved, verse 3, Joseph more than any of his other children. That's a problem when you have favorites. You know what that does. Creates animosity. But Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph. A beautiful coat, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to help them. Now, what was the problem? We've all been taught, if you've seen Andrew Lloyd Webber, or if you've been in Sunday school, the Technicolor dream coat. Oh, it was this beautiful colored coat, and the brothers were all jealous of all the colors. Gang, let me tell you something. They weren't jealous of the colors. They were jealous of the cut. This coat was cut different. A Mediterranean coat in that day would normally have short sleeves and kind of come to your waist. That was a working man's coat. You could roll up your sleeves. You didn't have them, so your, sleeve, your arms were free to work, and you could run because you, you're an action guy. You're out there doing the work of the field. But this coat was actually designed with long sleeves right down to the, to the wrist and a long hem down to the ankles. It wasn't a worker's coat. It was a ruler's coat. So imagine now when little brother shows up and he's coming out there now, not just with a technicolor dream coat, but he's coming out with the coat of a king. That's not going well. You know that that's not going to be received by these brothers who already feel disenfranchised. Well, one night Joseph had a dream, and so it continues He's a young man with purpose. He's a young man that his father had put out there to work for a brief time to get the lay of the land. But now he's having dreams. He's got a vision. He's got something going on in his life that's greater. The Lord comes to him and gives him this dream. So he tells his brothers about it. They hated him, the Bible says, all the more. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field 
tying up bundles of grain. Think about that with my long, cool coat on that I can't work in because I'm a leader now. We were out there tying up our bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and my bundle had long sleeves almost. You know, No, <laughs> my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before my bundle. Can you imagine if your siblings, think of your sibs right now for a minute. If one of your sibs announced this to you, how well you would receive this message from the Lord. I don't think so. His brothers responded, so you think you'll be our king, do you? You actually think that we're gonna, you're going to reign over us? And they, they, they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon, Joseph had another dream, because one dream leads to another. When you start dreaming, you, you, it's just like, hey, i got bigger dreams now. So he has another dream, and he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream. He said, the sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed down before me. This time, he told his dream to his father as well as to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is this, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come? And bowed to the ground before you. But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Jacob knew there was a purpose on his son's life. I believe as parents we need to walk and understand there's a purpose on our children's lives. Joseph was young. He was inexperienced. He, he wasn't wise. So he shared his dream before it's time. We contrast that with Mary. Do you remember when the angel came to Mary and he announced to Mary that she was going to, to bring us the Messiah? And the Bible tells us that Mary took all those things and she hid them in her heart. That's a good place to put a dream. It's a good place to put a dream. And that is, hide it within your heart, and the Lord will make it manifest. The Lord will reveal it in his time. But Joseph, he's young, and he's, he's excited, and he's just going to announce to the world, man, God's going to use me, and it's going to be amazing, and you're going to see it, and I'm going to be great, and you're going to bow down and on. It's just going to be awesome for me. <laughs> yeah, okay dreams of greatness. And God does have a great dream for us, a dream of greatness. We're called to be his children. That's a dream of greatness. We're called to walk out his kingdom purpose. That's great. There's so much greatness that God's called us to, but along the way, there's going to be a, there's going to be a sanctification of the dream. There's going to be a molding. There's going to be an altering of us in our life. Well, soon after this, in verse 12, Joseph's brothers went to pasture the father's flock at Shechem. And when they had been there for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, your brothers are pastoring the sheep at Shechem. Get ready and I'll send you out to them. Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along, Jacob said, and then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way and Joseph traveled to Shechem from their home in the valley of Hebron. Now, I always like to look up the meaning of names because I find you often get a little extra insight in these names. And the reason the brothers had gone to Shechem was Shechem was a place considered, it was called a place to shoulder the load. It was a place of well, it was a well-grassed area where the flocks could feed heartily. It was an easy place to go to feed the sheep. It was easy picking, so to speak. 
So the brothers were going out to do the work, but they were picking the easy places to go. Nothing necessarily wrong with that, but that's what they were doing. It's interesting because Joseph is now going to be sent out to bring a report. Now, Dad has moved him from working with the flock to being a manager. He's now starting to walk out the role of an executive. He's now going to go out and see how things are being managed and bring back a report. Dad's teaching him now a new responsibility. The brothers aren't hip to this either. But Joseph is completely ready to do whatever the Father asks him to do. And here's where we see our picture of Jesus beginning to unfold, that he's willing to do whatever the Father asks him to do. He made himself of no reputation and came, and whatever the Father had planned, Jesus entered into for your sake and for my sake. So he goes, and he finds out what's going on, and he gets to Hebron, Hebron and Hebron was linked to Abraham's altar. And so he, he goes, that's where they were living now. They've moved back toward the place of faith. And last week we talked about Jacob's wandering off from faith into faith. And he was kind of not always where God wanted him to be, but he's back now staying in Hebron, the link to Abraham's altar. And, and so Joseph leaves there and travels over to Shechem, and by the way, Shechem was 60 miles away. He walked there. That's from Stamwood to SeaTac. That's a good walk, especially in rush hour. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's, he's walked. That's where he's going. So he gets out there, and he's looking for his brothers, and he can't find them. And Joseph, you know, he's like, what, what's going on? And a man meets him there in verse 15, and he says, uh, you know, what, what are you looking for? He says, well, I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph replied. You know where they are pasturing the sheep. Do you know where they are? Notice he's out now seeking. He's out to seek where his brothers are, the lost brothers. Jesus did that, didn't he? He was seeking to save the lost. He said, I'm looking for my brothers. And he says, well, they've gone on to Dothan. Yes, the man told them, they've, they've moved on from here, but I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan and found them there. Dothan means the place of multiple wells. And that's significant because when he gets there, we're going to see in a moment that there were multiple wells. So Joseph gets there. His brothers see him coming. They know, they recognize him because he's, you know, walking in his new neon sign coat, his tie-dyed fluorescent amazing jacket of authority. He's kind of strutting through the countryside with his long sleeve ankle length robe. He's looking every bit the king that he thinks he is in the moment. And they see him coming as a billboard of their displeasure and they're jealous and their thinking is clouded. And by the way, jealousy will always cloud our thinking, always gets us off track. And uh, here he shows up, verse 19. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Now they've already nicknamed him. Oh, hey, dreamer boy. Come on, let's kill him and let's throw him into one of these cisterns. Notice, Dothan, the place of numerous cisterns, some of them were filled with water, some of them were dry. And so they said, let's kill him. Now, you think about your hatred and when you don't forgive somebody and how you allow bitterness to grow in your life. The Bible talks about bitterness growing up, and it defiles many. If we leave bitterness as a root in our life, what happens? It grows. It grows. It's like cancer, right? It just it will consume everything. 
So they move from not liking this kid to being really ticked off at this kid to being jealous of this kid, and now they actually want to murder their own brother. Think about that. That's, that's bad. They're ready now to kill him. But when Reuben heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed you know, any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern uh, here in the wilderness, and he'll die without our laying a hand on him. He'll just starve to death down there. Oh, well, that's, thank you, Reuben. Thank you, for, thank you for your care and concern. These guys are going to kill me quickly. You're going to throw me in a pit and let me just slowly die. Well, thanks for the mercy and the grace. Reuben, you hero, champion, brother of love. That's, that's, I'm just here to share. It's interesting with Reuben. We know Reuben was disqualified from being the chosen son. He was the oldest of Leah's sons. But he was disqualified because he had an improper sexual relationship with one of his father's concubines. That's a little weird, a little out there, but it happened, and he was disqualified. You may remember the other two brothers. So there's Reuben was the eldest, and there was Simeon and Levi. They were next in line. And you remember maybe the story where their sister Dinah, we talked about this the other week, where their sister went out to see and be seen, and she got caught up in a relationship and ended up being defiled sexually. And kind of it was a mutual, it was a whole bunch of mess in that too. And they, they got together and they, they took out a whole, all this, the, the guy who defiled her, they took out basically him, his entire family, and all of his guys, they killed them. They were men of cruel uh, murder. They just basically murdered a whole group of guys. So they were disqualified from being the chosen sons, even though they were next in line. So who was the next son in line to be the chosen son on the side of Leah? Judah. So when Joseph arrives, his brothers rip off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Remember, Jesus was stripped his robe. And they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Then just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelite traders. Uh, this caravan coming in the distance. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Um... It's an interesting picture. So Judah says to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? His blood will just give us a guilty conscience. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. So Judah now comes up with the plan to get rid of Joseph because why? He's the next in line. With Joseph out of the way, he's the next son to take over the family. No hidden motive there. Interesting, isn't it? How we allow our ambitions to lead our decisions. Now, I was thinking about this for a moment, and I was thinking about the Ishmaelite traders going down to Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world. It's a type of sin. And what were they carrying? They were carrying balm from Gilead. It was an ointment. It was a medicine from Gilead. Way over in Jeremiah chapter 8, I think it's verse 22, it says, there is no balm in Gilead. Speaking of, there is no healing in Israel. Speaking of the apostasy and the despondency of the nation of Israel once it had gone into sin. And he said, there's no balm in Gilead. But later on, 
it became kind of a, especially in gospel times, Jesus was referred to this balm and Gilead. He is the healing that, he is the one who brings healing. He's the healing itself that goes into the world. Isn't it interesting? Joseph, a type of Christ, going to be sold by the, into the Ishmaelite trading caravan, and they're, they're bringing the healing medicine down to the world, Egypt, and Joseph is in this caravan now. He is with this healing. He is a picture and a type of Christ coming, not just with the healing, but as the healing of the world. Can I just suggest to you this morning that sometimes the Ishmaelite caravan to slavery is actually God's chariot to your kingdom destiny. It's God's chariot to your kingdom purpose. What the enemy begins as evil, the Lord turns around for good. And so we see this slave trade being sold for 20 pieces of silver. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces. They sold Joseph for discount, literally because the Ishmaelite traders the going rate for slaves was 30 pieces. They're not going to sell them. We're not buying for the same thing we're selling them for. So we'll give you wholesale at 20. We'll sell them in Egypt for 30. We're making 10. Wow. So Judah's next in line, and they sell their brother. There's an old uh, spiritual song, hymn, that was actually first found in an old Baptist hymn book, and it says this, there is a balm in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a balm in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. Sometimes I feel discouraged and I think my work's in vain, but then the Holy Spirit revives my soul again. If you cannot preach like Peter, if you cannot pray like Paul, you can tell the love of Jesus because he died for all. Don't ever feel discouraged because Jesus is your friend. And if you lack for knowledge, he'll not refuse to lend because he is the bomb in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a bomb in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. That's the message of the gospel. And Joseph is carrying it into a lost and broken world, Egypt. Well, we get over to verse 28. When the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brother pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt, 30-day journey. Sometime later, Reuben returned to get Joseph out of the cistern when he discovered that Joseph was missing. He tore his clothes in grief. Then he went back to his brothers and lamented, the boy is gone, what will we do now? Then his brothers killed a young goat and dipped Joseph's robe in its blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look at what we found they, or sorry, look at what they found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? Hey, here's something to think about for a minute. Jacob, when he was a young man, had this desire for the birthright. He had this desire to walk with God. He had a lot of good desire. But remember how he got there was through deception? Remember how he deceived his father into the blessing? And he went out and killed a goat, dressed it as venison, brought it to his father. His father ate it and blessed him. 
Now as an old man, his sons are coming to him with the blood of a shed goat in deception. What does that mean? It means this, that what you sow, you reap. Be careful what you do in your youthful days. Those things have a habit of coming back around. That's why the Bible tells us, especially young people, remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Be be cautious, be mindful. Walk with God from a young age, young men and women. Don't wait. Don't wait till you get old. Do it now. Start now. Get radical for Christ today. Now is the day. Now is the time. Don't waste. Don't make bad decisions that will come back to haunt you in the future. Now, those of us that have made bad decisions, God redeems those, and God turns that around, and he's going to turn all this around. But boy, there's some pain that we go through that we don't have to go through if we plant the right seed. So avoid the the bad seed. Well, his brothers killed this young goat, of course, and they bring it in. Father's completely distraught, his son. Their father recognized it immediately. Yes, he said, it's my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. And Jacob tore his clothes and dressed himself in burlap. He mourned deeply for his son for a long time. His family all tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. I'll go to my grave, mourning for my son, he would say. And then he would weep. Sins. Sin's agenda for your life, the devil's agenda for your life, is to bring you to a place of complete destruction and brokenness. That's what happens when sin gets in our life. We end up broken, weeping, distraught. Everything falls apart that we're trying to build. The only way out of this, the, 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 the one that they had, the one that God had sent to be a blessing, the one that God had sent to be this provision, they, they, they sold him. They rejected. Here's some takeaways, some types of Jesus that we find in Joseph. He's the object of his father's special love. He had promises of divine exaltation. He was mocked by his family. He was sold for pieces of silver. He was stripped of his robe. He was delivered up to the Gentiles. He was falsely accused. He was faithful amid temptation. He was thrown into prison. He stood before rulers. His power was acknowledged by those in authority. He saves his rebellious brothers from death when they realize who he is. He is exalted after and through humiliation. He embraces God's purpose even though it brings him intense physical harm. He's the instrument God uses at the hands of the Gentiles to bless his people. He welcomes Gentiles to be a part of his family. He gives hungry people bread and people must bow their knee before him to receive him for who he is. What a great picture of Joseph and Jesus. It's a powerful story. My friends, the the hope of freedom, the hope of life, is all found in Jesus Christ. Nothing else matters. 
I don't know about you, but the, the, the more I walk with Jesus, the more I love my Bible. The more I watch the news, the more I really love my Bible. Those poor dudes don't have a clue what's going on out there, you know? They just don't. I mean, you, you'd, you could, listen, you could save yourself a lot of time by instead of watching the news at night, just read something in Scripture. If you want something fresh and update, you know, read some, something prophetic, you know, Daniel or, you know, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Revelation, front page news all over it. You know, you want encouragement, you know, hey, man, there's Psalms, there's Proverbs, there's all kinds of good encouragement. You know, you want to be reflective, you know, you want to want a time just to sit and think, you read Ecclesiastes, it's, it'll just get you thinking, you know. You want hope, you know, read the Gospels. There's all, the Word of God is just everything. This culture has nothing except what the Word of God gives us, and that's Christ. And so in this picture of Jesus... And Joseph, we have this amazing story embedded into the Old Testament that's a historical narrative of what actually happened to this family, but in the narrative is the picture of the gospel that was going to happen thousands of years later. You'd almost think that the Word of God was designed. You'd almost think that it was kind of put together on an architect's table, not some kind of hash-mashed, you know, guy sitting around going, hey, I'm going to write a story. No, that's not what happened. Everything that's in here, God has designed in here. And it has one theme, one message, and that's Jesus Christ. So here's the, the takeaway today. What is your identity? Is your identity just your own, your own self? Are you on a quest to find yourself? Boo! you're here. I found you. You're here today in the theater. You know, what's your identity? Are you a child of the living God? Have you embraced who you are, that God has created you for a relationship and a purpose? Do you know that, that you have an identity that's to be discovered in Christ? And once you've embraced that identity, you know that, that with that identity, with the forgiveness of sins and, and the identity and the, the new relationship, the understanding of, of who you are, that God actually gives you a purpose, a kingdom purpose for beyond your own life. That what you do in this life is actually manifesting and transforming those around you and it's transforming society and the world that you're called for such a time as this. That you actually have a purpose. You're not just some blob of cells, you know, Smoking dope in the play playground at, at lunchtime. That's not, not what you are. God's called you for something greater than that. You actually have a purpose, a divine purpose that brings life and wholeness and transforming power into other people. And with that purpose, God has given you an authority. You don't walk without authority today. Sometimes we feel helpless with all of the mandates and the government restrictions, do you know that you have an authority that transcends that? You're sons and daughters of the Most High God. Walk like it, in gentleness and humility, but, but we have authority. You know, I I'm, don't hold this against me, but I'm, I'm a bit of a half-breed. My mom was born in Boston, my dad was born in New Zealand, and I was born in Canada, and so I'm a bit of a mongrel, face it. I mean, you know, all that stuff coming together, and and uh, so I'm Canadian, and now we're here, and, and so we cross the border quite a bit, and, and we've had interesting times at the border in the last two years. And I've noticed something, that when I exercise 
loving, gentle authority, things get out of the way. There's an authority on the believer's life. On the other side, we're called as well with that mother instinct to nurture. You have a purpose to nurture and to, to come alongside and, and, and to help people in this incremental steps. We have a purpose to teach with our life. Every single one of us is a teacher. By example, with what God's taught you, teach someone else. We're a reproducing culture. We don't, we don't believe in the non-reproduction agenda. You know, there's a non-reproduction agenda in our culture today. Trying to take boys and, 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 and change them so they can no longer be the seed bearers that they are. And there's an agenda to take young women and change them from being the receptors and the womb bringers that they are to produce to be fruitful and multiple. There's, an, there's a death agenda. We are a part of a life agenda. We are part of a reproducing, life-giving, hope-stirring. That's what we are all about, both spiritually and physically. And we're also about the last part, and that is we're here to bring healing to people. The healing that we've received through Christ, we are to impart that to other people. And that's why the ministry of the body of Christ is so important that he has called us to walk it out in a practical and spiritual way, pouring out what he's poured into us. He fills us with his spirit so we can be poured out to others. So that's the six takeaways, that you have an identity, you have a purpose, you have an authority, you're to nurture, you're to teach and instruct, and you're to bring healing. That's the life message of Joseph. It's the life message of Jesus, and it's the life message of us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for Joseph's example. Lord, in the scriptures, he is a picture of you. We know Joseph wasn't sinless like you were, but nothing is spoken negative of him. He is an Old Testament picture of your fulfillment and we learn from his life and we learn from his story so that we too can be like him and like you, Jesus. That our life does have a very important identity. It's in you, Jesus. You have given us a very specific purpose. And that's your kingdom purpose, Jesus. Lord, we walk with a very with a, with, a, with a pronounced authority. And Lord Jesus, it's your authority that we are in and under. Lord, we are walking and to walk to nurture one another, to, to step by step walk with people into a place of life. Lord, we are also there to teach and instruct. Precept upon precept. Stone upon stone, brick upon brick. Your word, your life to be taught to others. And lastly, Lord, we're to be your hands and your feet to bring healing to the Egypt that is around us, to the lost and dying culture that is Egypt, the lost and dying famine-induced place that we're living in today. There is a spiritual famine, and Lord, you've called us to bring healing to it. You've called us to bring life to it. And Lord, that is our desire today. In Jesus' name. We're going to worship a moment. We're going to come back with a close, but let's all stand together as we think about these things today and meditate upon them as well.
just want to pray for you today. Maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, Lord, I, I just want your identity stamped into my life. I, I want to know that I really belong to you today. If that's you, just slip up your hand. We're not going to embarrass you. Just Yeah, God bless you. Anyone else today? Yes. Maybe you're here this morning and you're going, you know, I, I know I'm his, but I, I really don't know what my kingdom purpose is yet. I'm trying to figure out what is, what is God's purpose for me? What does he want me to do? Anyone at all? I just want to pray for that today. Yeah, God bless you. Yes. Amen back there. Yes. All right. Maybe you know what your purpose is, but you feel like, man, I, I just don't feel like I'm walking in the authority that I need to walk in yet. I need a greater authority in my life. I want more of you, Jesus. I want to know how to walk in power. Anyone at all today? Yeah, God bless you. Yes. Okay, good. Maybe on that other side of the equation, you're thinking, yeah, I've got people in my life that I know they need to be nurtured. I know they need, but I, I don't really kind of know how to get started with that. Anyone at all today on that? Yes. All right. How about you're, you're, you're beginning and you're, you know you need to teach and you know you need to instruct, but you're a little bit unsure of your own ability to do that. Yeah, I want prayer for that today. I want to be a better teacher of Jesus' life for others. Yes, God bless you and you and you. Yeah, amen. And then lastly, maybe you're here this morning and you just need healing. You've been beat up by the world or beat up by life. And you just go, I just need Jesus to bring some healing in my heart today. Anyone at all? Yeah, you betcha. Father, I'm so thankful that you have given us your identity from before the foundation of the world. It's not something we have to gain. It's something we just have to re-understand. It was lost. And we find it again in Jesus. So those, Lord, needing to know who they are, Lord, Jesus, I just pray that you would imprint your life and your, your, your whole being into their heart today in Jesus' name. Give them a revelation of Jesus. Lord, for those today that are struggling with their purpose, Lord, let each of them know, Lord, that you have called them for such a time as this. They're like Esther. We're living in a generation, a strange time. But Lord, you, you knew before they were born that they would live in these days, and these days are their days. And you have a plan and a purpose, Lord, for the gifts and the personality that they carry, the history that they've walked through, the dreams that you've put in their life like Joseph, Lord, those dreams that maybe they've even forgotten about or maybe thought, I'll never see my dream. But no, Lord, you've put a purpose. You've put something there. You've planted something, Lord, and you're going you're gonna to bring it to life. You're going to bring it to life. Lord, for those today that are struggling with authority, and Lord, maybe they're hearing different voices and they're, they're, they're confused by what, 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 what voice to listen to, Lord, help them to discover, Lord, the authority of the Holy Spirit. That your Holy Spirit comes to give us power so that we can live a sanctified and godly life. We don't have to shy away or be coy. We can walk in authority. We know who we are in Christ. 
So Lord, plant your authority in my brothers and sisters today. Lord, for those that are seeing the need to nurture, maybe they have children in the home or Lord, maybe a, a sibling or they're in a work environment where they need to nurture life. Lord, give them that patience and that gentleness to come alongside and, and be that nurturing presence of Jesus. Lord, we think of how you dealt with your disciples after they blew it all the time. Lord, you never threw them away. Lord, you never disqualified them. You were patiently instructing, nurturing, showing them. Lord, we think of those called, Lord, to teach. And Father, those, Lord, that are in that place where they, they know that they're to impart your word to others. And Lord, you are the great model of a teacher. You taught everywhere you went. Lord, all we have to do is declare what you've put in us. Lord, that's why your word is so important. The more of your word that we eat, the more that we consume, the more we'll be able to share back out. So, Lord, make us men and women of the word. And lastly, Lord, today, those that are in need of healing, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, those that may be physically sick here today, Father, we pray for your just power to just descend upon their bodies and bring healing right now in Jesus' name. Father, for those that have been beat up by life, those that have been broken through relationships, Father, those that have been rejected, Father, right now in Jesus' name, we pray, Lord, for healing and blessing and restoration, that the wounds of yesterday would in no way hinder the pathway of tomorrow. Father, we, we cast those wounds off now, and we pour in the oil and the wine, Lord, of your Holy Spirit. Bring healing and life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord bless you today. Go and bring Jesus to those around you. Amen, church. We send you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless. Have a great day.